Welcome back to our study of the Psalms. We're looking at Psalm 19 today. Uh, Psalm 19, I think, is probably one of the Psalms I learned the earliest. Um, it's really simple to break down this Psalm into three clear, significant sections. Uh, it's memorable, it's powerful, it's helpful. And so I'm looking forward to looking at this Psalm together with you. So Psalm 19 is, tells us it's a Psalm of David. And the first six verses uh, are about God speaking to us through creation. So this is what we call uh, natural revelation, where God is revealing himself through nature, or sometimes it's called general revelation because this revelation is available to all people in general. It's the same kind of thing that Paul is talking about in Romans chapter one, where he says that, you know, all of humanity knows that God exists because God has uh, revealed the truth about himself in the things that have been made, right, through the creation ever since the beginning of the world. And so people have no excuse for not honoring him, worshiping him, giving thanks to him as God. David is talking about the same kind of thing, God revealing himself through nature, but in a poetic way here in the first six verses of Psalm 19. So here's what he says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. All right, so uh, notice in verse 1 that he uses the words declare and proclaim. So he's talking about the sky and the heavens, and they are preaching, as it were. They are speaking. They are making known the glory of God. Right? They're telling us God is here. God is wise. God is powerful. God is good. God is beautiful. They are revealing the glory of God. They are speaking about, heralding uh, the glory of God all the time, right? Verse 2 says, day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. So it doesn't matter what day it is, doesn't matter if it's day or night, anytime, anywhere, uh, this is what creation is doing. It is making known constantly the reality of God and the glory of God. Verse 3 says, there is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Verse 4, their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. So again, we call this natural revelation because it's nature, creation, that is revealing something about God. But we also call it general revelation because of what David says here, that this revelation covers the whole world. It goes out to all people. It's not limited to people who have a Bible or, you know, people who live near Christians who can hear about uh, God, you know, from his word, but through another person. This revelation is available to all people at all times in all places. Because it's all of creation. So no matter where you live, no matter what you can see, uh, no matter what part of the world you live in, you are receiving this revelation about God. And then he gives a specific example of this. Um, starting at the end of verse 4 and through verse 5 and verse 6, he, he singles out the sun 
as one particular example of how God's glory is put on display in creation. So he says at the end of verse 4 that in them, so like in the heavens, he has set a tent for the sun. So that's where the sun lives, right, is in the heavens. And he says the sun comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. So he comes out radiant and joyful with a, um, you know, with splendor. And he says, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. So the sun never gets tired, right? He's like a runner who runs his entire race and he's, he's not breathing hard, right? He's, he's definitely not about to collapse. He, the sun is powerful. The sun is strong. The sun is undaunted by its course. Uh, it says in verse six, it's rising is from the end of the heavens and it's circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. So there again, the sun uh, is one example of the fact that God is showing his power, his glory to the whole earth. There's no part of the earth that is not exposed to the heat of the sun, to the glory and power of the sun. And the point of singling that out in part is to say, well, how does the sun reveal the glory of God? Well, who could make something that is so powerful uh, that it can cause us to feel its heat from so far away, day after day after day after day, it never tires, it never stops, it never needs a break. It is incredible, right, to think about. And so <clears throat> that's just one example. You can think about all the different stars, you can think about, I mean, so many different things, the planets, the um, the people that God has made in his image, the, the oceans, the mountains, the forests, all of it, the flowers, all of it in different ways are saying to us all the time, think about who made me. Think about who caused me to exist. What must he be like? How glorious, how powerful, how wise, how good must my creator be? Right. That's what David is celebrating in verses 1 to 6, the fact that God has revealed himself through his creation so that we get a glimpse of his glory. And then verses 7 through 11, David shifts to talk about God's word. And so God reveals himself in creation. We call that natural revelation or general revelation. God also reveals himself through scripture. We call that uh, special revelation or specific revelation because there it's more specific what God reveals about himself and it's more limited. Um, and, you know, there was a time when um, most people didn't have access to scripture, right? Um, many people in the world didn't know God's word. He had given it to the Jews, uh, right? To the Jewish people. He had given the Ten Commandments and the law and so on. Um, and um, now, of course, there are more people who have access to God's word. Uh, many, many more people, but still not everyone, right? So, um, so now we're talking about special revelation. We're talking about God's word. And here's what he says beginning in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So let's focus on those few verses first. Verses 7, 8, and 9 are in a sense a condensed version of what we find in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is 176 verses long. It's the longest thing in the Bible. 
And it's all about how great God's word is. And you get the same kind of message, the same kind of celebration and meditation on God's word here in just a few verses in Psalm 19, verses 7 to 9. So David refers to God's word in several different ways. He calls it the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, which normally we take to mean our fear of the Lord. But here, because of the pattern here, it seems to be another way of referring to God's word, although, you know, an unusual one. But because of the context, we can tell that's what he's probably saying. Uh, the rules of the Lord, uh, also in verse 9. So all these are ways of talking about God's word. Commandments, rules, precepts, law, testimony. Right? And then he tells us that God's word is perfect. Right? There's, there's nothing wrong with it. There are no errors, no weaknesses, no, no shortcomings. It's all God's word. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. It's all good. It's all perfect. Uh, it's sure, he says in verse 7. Uh, it's right, right? We can trust it. We know it's not going to lead us astray. It's pure. It's, there's no error in it. Uh, it's clean. It's true. It's righteous. So we know that God's word is not going to lead us astray. It's not going to tell us anything that's wrong. It's true and trustworthy because it comes from God, who himself is true and trustworthy and perfect, right? Um, and then it also tells us that God's law, uh, God's word, uh, works on us. He says it revives, it makes wise, it brings joy, it enlightens, it endures. So God's word, um, he says, uh, revives the soul. It, it, it gives new life. It's active. Um, in Hebrews 4, it says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. God's word, it's not it's not a, a dead book, it's a living book, and it does something to us. It works in us, it revives us, it breathes new life into us. It makes wise the simple, that we don't understand something, we're, we're ignorant about something, or we're uh, being foolish in some regard, or, or whatever. God's Word is able to make us wise, to teach us, to lead us, to direct us, to grow us. Uh, and so it gives wisdom. It rejoices the heart. David says. So it brings joy into our life, right? It, it helps us to, uh, gives us reason to rejoice. Um, it uh, enlightens the eyes, right? So it helps us see. It gives light. It gives understanding. Um, it endures forever. It's not temporary. It doesn't change, right? It's permanent. It stays. It lasts. It endures. Um, so God's word is, is, um, trustworthy. God's word is active. Uh, and God's word is desirable. Look at verse uh, 10, 11. He says, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned and keeping them, there is great reward. So God's word is desirable. It's valuable. Um, it's sweet, right? So he says it's, we should want God's word more than we want money, uh, because God's word is more valuable than money, even a lot of money, um, that God's word is sweet, right? It is uh, wonderful. We should want it. Uh, we should be able to enjoy it. Um, and God's word warns us, verse 11, uh, it warns us of those uh, things that are dangerous and harmful and will lead to destruction. And God rewards those who listen 
to his word, right? Uh, he says, in keeping them, there is great reward. Why is that? Because God rewards those who heed his word. So that's what this uh, psalm uh, focuses on in the first two sections, right? God reveals himself through creation, um, and then God works through his word. And then finally, David asks God to work in him, verses 12 he says, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So first he says, declare me innocent from hidden faults. So these are sins that either David himself is unaware of, or that David knows about that nobody else knows. These are not obvious, blatant, public sins. They may not even be sins that David himself realizes he's committed, but he's asking God to forgive him for these hidden faults. And then he asks him in verse 13 to keep him from committing clear, blatant, probably public sins, right? Um, so keep me back from those presumptuous sins, those in to, uh, those in those committed intentionally, excuse me, um, ask God to keep him from sinning intentionally. Um, and then uh, he also asks for God to help him to honor him with his mind and with his mouth, right? So he says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. So I want not only the things that I say, but even the things that I think on. Now, we have thoughts that kind of intrude into our minds sometimes that we we don't know where they came from. We didn't mean to think about that, but just here it comes, right? Some distressing or troubling thought. We can't always control what comes into our mind, but we can control what we focus on in our mind, what we continue to think about, what we meditate on. So David says, let the things that I meditate on, the things that I'm uh, deliberately and intentionally thinking about, let those be things that honor you. So. Um, that's what he's praying about there. Um, now, how do we connect this psalm to Jesus? Well, a couple of ways, uh, at least. One, Jesus, of course, is the creator. The Son of God uh, is the one through whom God created everything that exists. John 1, uh, Colossians 1, uh, both talk about how, uh, well, and I think uh, Hebrews 1 also uh, talks about how God made everything through the Son, right, through the Son of God, through Jesus. So he is the creator whose glory is seen in creation. So um, we connect it to Christ that way. And then, of course, Jesus himself is the Word of God who took on flesh. So when we're celebrating God's written Word, right, that can also draw us back to the eternal Word, the Son himself. Uh, and then how can we pray uh, Psalm 19? Um, we can celebrate uh, God's revelation through creation, just like David does in verses 1 to 6. It's good for us to, to go outside, to go see something, to, uh, to take a few moments to, to look and listen and just give thanks to God for the birds, the sky, the sun, the moon, the stars, the mountains, the lakes, the rivers, the trees, whatever it is, um, to sing and celebrate and pray, giving thanks to God for all those things and, and letting those things draw our attention to God himself and who he is and how great he is. It's also good for us to acknowledge 
God's work through his word. God, thank you that your your word revives me, that it gives me wisdom that I was lacking, that it, it brings joy into my life, all those things um, that David talks about there. It's also good for us to ask God to help us to treasure and trust his word. Help God, help me value your word more than money, right? More than possessions. Help me to taste the sweetness of your word so that I, I want this more than anything else. Um, and uh, and then we can make David's requests our own, right? Uh, give thanks to God uh, or, or ask God rather to help us, like just like David says, um, so that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts are pleasing to him. Um, I was helped by uh, Hamilton's commentary on this. Again, of course, um, always helped by his his thoughts and um, some of his thoughts, I'm sure, uh, affected some of my thoughts. And so I want to give credit there. Um, and I hope you enjoy this psalm uh, as much as I do. And uh, may the Lord bless you.